Hello, you're listening to the Big Finish podcast, launched on the 9th of February 2020. What are you doing in this sector? Danny was hauled to his feet and found himself looking down the barrel of a rifle. Whoa, easy, 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 easy. See? I'm not armed, I'm not armed. Look. Nick Briggs here. Once again, I've been in studio all week. What have I been doing? Directing the second series of Adam Adamant Lives. The first series is available now. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Adam Adamant into the search pane at the top of the page to order it. But as has happened last week, actually, I'm recording the podcast here in the studio during the production. So it would be very odd if I didn't have with me Adam Adamant himself, Blake Ritson. <laughs> Hello, Hello Blake. How are you doing? Do you know what? I've never heard your podcast voice before, Nick, and it's very upbeat and chipper. I oh, like well, it. Yeah, it's well, energising, just well, to be in its presence. Well, you could imagine if I just said, Hello. No, no, I'm basking so the glory of such dulcet tones. It's fantastic. <laughs> Carry on talking. I'll just Thank listen. you. Well, that, and I liked you. You did your own theme tune there. What was that? <laughs> that was I swallowed a kazoo when I was younger, and I now have a preternatural gift for it. So any tune, I take requests. Um... No, I can't think of one. <laughs> because there are no songs. This is this, this is the problem with our time. There are no songs anymore. There are anymore. no songs. There's what a shame. Out of copyright. <laughs> um, and for those of you fearing an absence of my co-host, Benji Clifford, don't worry. He'll be joining me in the reviews, the listeners' emails, and the Randomoid Selectatron when we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release segment of this podcast. And our drama tease this week is the 12th Doctor Chronicles and an adventure entitled War Wounds by Mark Wright and starring Jake Dudman as the Doctor and Samuel Anderson as Danny Pink. Yes, back to Blake and Adam Adamant lives. First, here's the trailer. From Big Finish Productions, Adam Adamant Lives, Volume 1. Adam Adamant, Adam Adamant. I really think this might be it. Adam Adamant, gentleman adventurer, worked with the police and the government, solved crime, fought against enemies of the crown. I am the last stand! I am Britannia! William E. Sims, my dear. Georgina Jones. I am Adam Adamant! Don't tell me he's got himself in trouble. Is he the type? Very much so. Can even Adam Adamant fight the grave? Well, I'd never heard of him. Dear Lord, man, get the Prime Minister to safety! This man is the one Adam Adamant Adam Adamant <laughs> I am the face Big Finish We love stories that was the trailer. That was the trailer. I heard nothing. This is this is the problem of not it's doing the, things in real time. The joy of editing. I heard a vacuum. <laughs> I was saddened that I heard nothing. <laughs> uh, what's yes. it like playing Adam? I love playing Adam Adamant. Adam Adamant is preposterous. Uh, he's, it's a, I mean, he's he, the writing that uh, for the character for the voice is incredibly fun. He's incredibly <sighs> wit. He has a kind of Edwardian musculature of, of, of nouns and adjectives, and he's um, prone to flights of linguistic fancy. So it's very fun. But also, I, I get the kind of the double whammy of playing the face. The face. Um, who's his arch enemy. He's his arch but... enemy, but also his kind of sublimated, self-loathing made manifest. And also, I don't know, am I allowed to give spoilers? No, that... Yeah, give a bit of a spoiler. There's also, uh, I play Pat Hamilton, who may, Patrick Hamilton, who may or may not be another alter ego 
uh, of Adam Adamant. Well, yes, um, and that doesn't turn up until the second series. This so is people true. have got that to to look forward to. I've I've just recorded a scene which was billed as a two-hander, and I played three other people <laughs> in it. So it was like, there were basically four people in the room, uh, and another. There is another character I play, Vernon. Oh, oh Vernon! I, I can't. I, I shouldn't re- reveal. That's too big a reveal. Um, Vernon's amazing. This is the crux upon which the whole series hangs. And it's all down to Guy Adams, who I'll be talking to later on. I was going to ask you about the specific challenges, but I think you've covered that. Although, what is the technique we've evolved for, for you doing the face who wears a mask? Dyspepsia. <laughs> One has to eat heavily acidic foods before playing the face. This is what I've discovered. <laughs> Here's a tablet. <laughs> but no, I mean, there... normally this sort of thing is done with a, an electronic effect, but... We've gone old school. We've, we've gone old school. I mean, I've I, having played uh, a few villains on screen recently. I've I've enjoyed investing in unusual voice work. Um, so this has been an extrapolation from that process. Um, but we, yes, for the because the idea is the face has a kind of mask on. So we have we I'm, I'm now miming, but you can't see because it's a microphone. There's the pity. <laughs> uh, by applying pressure on the upper lip with the fingers. Uh, one can one can replicate that a simulacrum of a mask. Your your fingers, in fact. Whosoever fingers are nearest by. <laughs> I'm not fussy as long as they're clean. We've got a special face finger person. <laughs> fingers Malloy from <laughs> the famous Malloy. gangster film of the thirties. <laughs> um, how would you tease the series to anyone who hasn't heard it yet? You know, to entice. Well, to anyone them. who hasn't heard it, I'd say, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of great product on Big Finish, but there is one shining diamond, one beacon. Uh, above all, Adam Adamant is fantastic. It's fun. It's a romp. It's riotous. It's it channels the spirit of the '60s psychedelia, but through a very modern, refracted gaze. It's fun. It's did I say it's fun? I think I said it's fun. You can it's say it's fun. fun. It's triple fun. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Um, it's also dark. It gets, goes to kind dark, of twisty, dark. turny, unusual places. It's it unsettling. It's unexpected. Uh, there are special effects. There's a great theme tune. There's a great the theme tune. Nick showed me a... Uh, I, I say this as if there are other people listening. I hope there are other people listening. Let's hope uh, so. <laughs> the making of the theme tune, which is an amazing replica of the original 1960s series. And they went through extraordinary efforts, didn't they, to kind of replicate the sound of the 60s, playing it on a phono... Yeah, yeah, so it's on magnetic tape. Yeah, yes, amazing. Yeah. Hence, it sounds remarkably uh, authentic. It's rather good. It's isn't rousing. It? I find myself humming it as I go down the street, much to everyone's annoyance. <sighs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. <laughs> oh, well, well, thanks, Blake. Um, later in the podcast, I'll be chatting with Adam and Adam and Adam and We've been doing a lot of that, Jonas. There's been a lot of doo-wop. That's the other thing. Adam Adamant devolves into doo-wop in moments of stress. <laughs> this is an unexpected but, collateral. But those bits get cut out. <laughs> but not out of this podcast. No. You get to hear everything. Anyway, yeah, I'll be speaking to Adam Adamant's plucky companion, Georgina Jones, alias equally plucky actor Millie Thomas, and the man behind our reinvention of this TV classic. We mentioned him earlier, Guy Adams, who also plays Adam's ex-punchant duty man, faithful manservant and reluctant hero, William E. Sims. That's later. Coming up now, Benji is joining me for our review section and this week, we'll be belatedly catching up with another cult TV classic reinvented by Big Finish, The Prisoner. Yes, it's me, Benji Clifford. Oh, this week, as Nick said, yes. we're heading back. No, we're not heading back. We're looking back at The Prisoner. Oh, yeah, well, well, we could three, be heading. Are we? I mean, we could be, I suppose we're heading back in a sort of magical way, but we're looking back at The Prisoner, Volume 3, the final volume, the definitive article, they might say. So, here we go. Zoop. From Big Finish for-
production. The Prisoner, Volume 3. Orange alert. Orange alert. My God! What is it? I won't be pushed, stamped, debriefed or numbered. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know there's nothing Control doesn't know. Open fire! How's the future? And for my entertainment, make it convincing. I'm in charge. There's a cod war with Iceland. <laughs> cod? Maybe there is no escape from the village. Approaching. Rover now approaching. Number 43, was she on the plane? I thought she died in the crash too, like you. I can report that ZM73 has returned to number one. We've joined the European Economic Community. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Free for all. Village Rifle Association. Lean in, breathe out slowly, and squeeze the trigger. Himself actually exploded. Morocco, Morocco, Morocco! You won't break me. You won't take me back. I won't bend to your rules. My life and my thoughts are my own. I resigned. I will take no part in any of this. I resigned! Is this the ending you've decided on? And Rick Davey from The Unmutual says, in terms of audio drama, there are a few there are a few greater visionary talents in the medium than writer, director, and executive producer Nicholas Briggs. Oh, and he has delivered his strongest set of episodes yet. Big wow. Finish's series three of The Prisoner is the zenith of its output, a triumph of nerve-tingling tension and storytelling with some truly frightening and foretelling moments, which rank at the very top of the franchise's peak. Yeah. Wow, that's lovely, isn't it? Well, I'm, we're going back to do The Prisoner because we somehow missed it out last year, so I thought it was can't, worth can't have that. Can't yeah. have that. Uh, those lovely people over at the Prisoner Appreciation Society, Six of One, said the writing is nothing short of a masterpiece. Thank you. And the voice actors are all amazing. They are none more so than Mark Elstob as number six. Here, yeah, yeah. The ending is not what I expected and is cleverly written to leave a door open once again, just as in the original series, and maybe as controversial? Question mark. Nick Briggs has very cleverly kept the essence of the prisoner alive. A must for all prisoner appreciators. That's nice. Thank you very That's much. That's very nice, isn't it? Well, Simon SciFiBulletin.com uh, provided Big Finish with one of its best reviews ever. <sighs> this is a near impossibility, a serial which brings into land one of the best and most obtuse stories of its age. It breaks new ground, it unique, it's uniquely modern and distinctly of its time. It's playful and grim, dark and hopeful, with a just a dash of ambiguity. Which means, of course, it's perfect ending for this remarkable show. Be seeing you 10 out of 10. Wow. <gasps> nice. Banging, uh, banging. 
Meanwhile, thedigitalfix.com said, Mark Elstop shines as a man put under the microscope. Combined with Nicholas Briggs's precise writing and express thematic intentions, he leads a star cast through a sequence of inexplicable episodes that never fall shy of being very, very good. Oh. Our friends at blogtowho.com went off topic from Doctor Who to say, but if one contributor deserves the greatest acclaim outside of Nicholas Briggs, it has to be Mark Elstob as number six. Across three sets of 12 expertly crafted episodes, Elstob's performance has been nothing short of perfection. Agreed. This set in particular has showcased the greatest range of his acting ability, always teetering on the edges and lines between reliability and distance. Sympathetic and paranoid, determined and erratic, always channeling the essence of Patrick McGowan whilst always being unique as well. It's safe to say that if it wasn't for the dedication of Elstob and Briggs, this series would not be the impressive reboot we know. Mm, very good. Wow, that's uh, incredible. Re <laughs> something really weird has just happened. You couldn't hear it. but um... I heard a voice or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was uh, Lucy Briggs-Owen. It was a test thing from the human frontier of her playing the, um, the artificial intelligence augmented reality thing, nearly. And I had it just in this session and she was just saying, unscheduled cryogenic interruption or something <laughs> suddenly in my ear. I've just muted it. It's okay. Phew. Um, it, yes. Uh, meanwhile, on the Twitter sphere, Mr. Smith in Knots says, finally finished at Big Finish, The Prisoner Volume 3. Absolutely superb. What a ride. Fantastic plot with plenty of twists. Just really sad that there'll be no more. Thanks, at Briggs Nicholas, for bringing back my second favourite TV programme of all. I'm presuming the first one is Doctor Who. Or maybe it's Coronation Street. Juliet Bravo. Um, <laughs> now we are all Tom. I'm not. Uh, after finishing the third and final series, I'm convinced that The Prisoner is the best thing Big Finish has ever done. Wow. Ooh, wow. D. Hollingsworth just finished listening to the last series of The Prisoner from At Big Finish and At Briggs Nicholas has done a great job. I'm a huge fan of the original and this new remixed in inverted commas version gets the balance right. Surely we'll have The Prisoner audio drama 2.0 in a couple of years. Brackets please? Question mark. <laughs> That'd Steamhead nice. UK says Big Finish achieved the impossible with the prisoner finale managing to make sense of yet keep the enigma and still bring number six face to face with <gasps> that would possibly be telling overall their adaptation of the prisoner is just as compelling as the original if not more be seeing you and the lies of Brian <laughs> says uh, three episodes into volume three of The Prisoner from At Big Finish are one of the most difficult adaptations they've ever taken on and it's good very good in fact well done to At Briggs Nicholas the outstanding Mark Elstop and the whole cast and crew be seeing you and that's it for the views the views this week the reviews this week and uh, next week we'll be back to our regular reviews section catching up with our January releases that's the plan, anyway. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah, it's so. back to Nick in the Adam Adamant Live Studio. Oh, okay. Here we are, back at the Moat Studios in North London, and I have with me actor Millie Thomas, who plays Adam's plucky companion, Georgina Jones. Hello, Millie. Hi, hello. Just how plucky is she? Pretty damn plucky. <laughs> I'd say um, it's a no. It's a it's a real privilege to play someone with as much 
pizzazz as Georgina, especially things that are set, period pieces essentially. We're set in the 60s, but also she's a Victorian fanatic, so there's such opportunity there for her to feel archaic, and it absolutely doesn't, and she is so vibrant and a woman ahead of her time, even though she has, you know, dabbles in interests uh, in the past. So I was going to say, how would you describe her? But you've have you have you covered it all? Is there anything more you can say about her? <laughs> no, I just I, I I just find her fascinating because she's someone who so clearly knows her own mind. In you know, in the wake of a society that doesn't necessarily appreciate that, and also isn't doesn't shy away from from tradition. But then the minute, you know, the minute Adam falls into anything remotely Victorian, she's the first to come down on him like a ton of bricks. And I really, it's a dynamic I really love. And she sort of gets to, I guess, enjoy the the sort of, you know, the florid language and the frivolity of it all (laughs) without any of the actual reality of being Victorian and the draconianness of the era and all of that so mm. it's a, it's an interesting you know juxtaposition where you get to cherry pick and that's what I love about her is she's just she's she's living her dream even though she's in sort of constant peril as a result well how would you describe the series to people to sort of entice them to listen to it the big finish Adam Adamant lifts oh gosh it's an interesting one that because I think I'd pitch it differently to to different people. I think mm. there's a real sort of. I mean, so my my parents, my that my dad was a huge fan of the TV show. So as soon as I I told him that, he just he was over the moon. I think this is the as far as he's concerned. I'll never I'll never top this. <laughs> and I, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> he's absolutely over the moon. Um, I think just the idea of a Victorian fighting crime in the in the sixties with a swinging 60s companion who is obsessed with Victorians and together they fight crime. That Like, what a premise. Can't go wrong. No, true, true. Yeah, I, I think I might get it. Oh, hold on. I've already got it. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it been like making this series? Oh, it's been joyous. There's something really freeing about knowing that your only instrument is your voice and that you're you're painting a different picture for every single person listening everyone mm. has got a different picture in their head of what what they see what it all looks like and even all the actors have a different picture and so that i think because we're all we're all next to each other in our booths and so you can sort of you can interact with people you know what they're like and how they're standing and that really helps, but it also means that everyone comes away with with a film in their head that is uniquely theirs and mm. theirs alone. And it's like it, it's a really gorgeous feeling, and also just so freeing knowing that it, it doesn't matter how you stand or what you look like. I find as an actor that is absolutely liberating. Just mm. the gorgeousness of being able to to say stuff uninhibited. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that about it too when I'm behind the microphone. Um, tell me about your co-stars, about Blake and Kai. Oh, where to start? <laughs> <They're>, uh, <laughs> yeah, waste of space. <laughs> Kidding, obviously. They're, I mean, Blake is Blake's a joy to work with and is so, you know, he's a seasoned actor and he it just, that 
Victoriana just sort of rolls off his tongue. He's so mm. so good at it, and yes. I um I've been absolutely fascinated watching um watching Blake play Adam Adamant and the Face, and that that switch that transition, and watching and and hearing him having entire conversations with himself, yes. and it's it's a real skill and. There have been times where I've been convinced I've heard him overlapping with himself yes, yes, because I know it exactly. feels so real and it, it can't be. It's impossible. Yeah. But like, like you know, it's it's a real he's a real chameleon. And it's interesting because our the main characters well, Guy's character, Sims and mine, Georgina and Adam for, for Blake. They're such distinctive people and they're a really solid trio. That then, when they, when you know, someone like Adam then has to turn his turn his hand to someone else, it's always a real shock because they're such solid people that are written so concretely, mm. and guys written these people, they're so sure of themselves, and the viewer know uh, the viewer viewer. See, it's funny the it language. Is visual, it's yeah, mad, yeah, but yeah, the language yeah. is always geared around this. I find it crazy, but you you know who these people are. They feel like friends, and. You, I reading them off the page. I can hear Guy's voice as Sims. I can't. I can't hear anyone else's. But so then, when you have that that slight room for deviation, when Blake is the face, or when, or when Georgina's going under hypnosis, just that slight wobble of character, it's always a really, really fascinating thing, and always shocks me just how mercurial the team is and how talented everyone is actually because you start to associate them with their character after a while and so it's a really nice thing to watch you know that the masters at work and guy is is in it and that is such a difficult thing to be a member of a company in something that you have created and that's such a it's a it's a blessing and a curse and it's a really unique thing and he handles it beautifully and also there's such a generosity of spirit there you know there's nothing worse I find being an actor in a room in a theatre rehearsal when the playwright comes in to watch <laughs> there's nothing worse and I've been the playwright in that room and, and, and you're sat there thinking oh god they're thinking that they don't want me here and I, I just you feel like the most redundant person in the room where you're sort of ceremonially put on a chair like this is the person who wrote the thing and so there's a real weird burden that comes with that and Guy is just so he's written these people so beautifully that we've all been able to just pick them up and run with them and that's a really really gorgeous thing and and so brilliant to work with you. I've really enjoyed it, Millie. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I've enjoyed working with you. Thank you. <laughs> the contractual obligation. I have answer. to say that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll be back here with actor and writer Guy Adams, who plays Adams, Manservant Sims, much discussed just now. But um, he's also responsible for the whole reimagining of Adam Adamant Lives, as we've said. But now I'm dashing forwards in time to join Benji Clifford for listeners' emails. <laughs> Well, we're back in the email studio, which is sort oh, of yeah. cardboard box with a little cardboard control panel over here, <laughs> um, where I read your cardboard emails. Oh, and yeah. as you know, I love emails. And if you want to email in, it's so simple. All you need to do is email podcast at bigfinish.com. 
and it will zoom over to this computer bank where I will read it out. Well, Steve Blake did just that, and here is Steve's email. Mm -hmm. Hiya, Nick and Benji. Hope you're both well and don't need to buck up. I need Um, to buck up. (laughs) this This is my first foray into emailing you both, but felt compelled to as a Sontaran is bred for war. (laughs) <laughs> Major Steyer. Um I'm all for change, but realise most people don't like it, so please be gentle with them. Honest Gav, it wasn't me. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. Gotta laugh. Uh, my uh, main point is the future changes to the monthly range. Okay, this is great in general, but the only downside for me is the fact that I've just put the first 200 stories onto two external hard drives one for backup. This was time consuming and wouldn't like to have to start again or rearrange them. However, in my life on this planet, I've seen lots of change. So be it. I don't know why you'd have to rearrange them. Don't know, maybe you could change your arranging system from, you know, order of release to, I don't know, colour of the the covers. (laughs) The blue, the blue section. Green section. Um, On the subject of humour in your stories, in general, I love the balance of it and drama, but would not like to see a tip in the scales towards too much in the name of laughs. After all, alien incursions are a serious business, etc, etc. I was listening to an email in a podcast saying a story was absolutely hilarious, uh, but was a bit put off to thinking that maybe it wasn't for me, and then immediately thought, we're a load of rubbish, I'll give it a listen. I'd say I've got 90% of your productions and have spent the last year concentrating on box sets, all Uh of which are immensely enjoyable. But lately I've started listening to the monthly range again and I'm up to issue uh, 1977, I'm up to issue 177 uh, from the beginning and also Blake 7, Crossfire. Absolutely brilliant. Much, much more of the same big finish and keep pushing the boundaries, although going too far beyond isn't necessary all the time either. Um, Loving the podcast too on a Sunday afternoon and I'm listening to those two from scratch. What a hoot and very informative. And sorry if my initial mail is too long, but I'm excited. And if you wish to read a portion of it, that's okay too. Well, how couldn't it be? Kind regards, Stephen, also known as Blake Spear. Is that like, yes, Blake Seven and um, Shakespeare put together. Um, well, good. I think uh, we will be gentle about change, and um, it's great that you're going through the main range. Yeah. Um, here's one from Jason Hale. Dear Captain Briggs and First Mate Benji. Ah-har. Back again with another two-part request to absorb your thoughts and galactic insight. Although a year away, I'm very much looking forward to next January's epic masterful. What a cast! And in addition to John Sims is, if you'll pardon the pun, a masterstroke. Uh, yes. Oh, I see. And the edition. Sorry, I read that incorrectly. Could you tell me how the idea for this all came about? Has it been in the works for some time or is it a relatively recent concept and would it link to the end of day of the master ravenous fall Mm. at all well i can't tell you that but uh yes it has been around for a long time and i rather think that the idea it was either jason hay galleries or david richardson's and we have these regular production meetings and we talk about interesting things we can do in the future and a phrase used in the industry a lot now is tentpole you talk about tentpole releases which are sort of like you know, they stick out above the others and lead to a, a, a rise of interest, you know. Um, so, yeah, 
Uh, and that's when these ideas come about and they sort of come up in the discussion and then we go, oh, we could do this, we could do that. Yeah, OK. And then we assign a writer and hopefully the BBC approve and Bob's your uncle. Um, however, this release has now got me wondering. Throughout the history of Big Finish, we have yet to encounter the bombastic troublemongering of the two great classic masters, as originally performed by the legendary Roger Delgado and the fantastic Anthony Ainley. Now, before everyone shouts at their screens, ah, I know they are no longer with us. They're no longer with us, Jason! Uh, but given the recent embracing of using voice actors, I don't like using the term impressionist as I think that is something very different. Would you ever consider venturing down this route with these particular characters, even for just one uh, a one-off audio drama or maybe a single short trip might be an idea? Presuming you could find the right voice, obviously. I appreciate that this is not everyone's cup of tea, but for the majority it's proved to be a great way to continue the legacy of each Doctor and pay homage to those great actors we lost prior to the days of Big Finish. Elliot Chapman became our new Ben Jackson, Gemma Powell our Barbara, and Ajaz Arwad's portrayal of Katrina, uh, Katarina, actually, I think it is, in Daughter of the Do Dogs, Daughter of the Dogs, <laughs> Daughter of the Gods, was delightful. It was, and uh, Ajaz is a lovely person. I worked with her recently on something else. Plus, of course, we have Tim Trelaw now firmly bedded in as the third Doctor, and the absolutely immense John Colshaw portraying the Brigadier, to marvellous effect too, I might add, agree on both those counts. Uh, whilst you've given us two new masters over the years, it seems a shame that these two characters are still missing from the Big Finish catalogue, especially as they were such a huge part of the original series. It would be quite a thrill to see either grace the cover art of a story one day, and Big Finish have always treated this subject matter with such sensitivity, grace and respect. Incidentally, I recently rewatched the Twelfth Doctor episode Robots of Sherwood and was struck how very ainly ben, ben Miller, Ben Stiller, aka the Sheriff of Nottingham was. Check it out. As, uh, like, like he's uh, cheap and available. Uh, absolutely love everything you do. Bring on the Human Frontier. Can't wait. The Human Frontier is my Big Finish original, which is coming out in May, and we did a lot of coverage of it in the last podcast, just in case you weren't listening. So zip back and have a listen to that. Moonbase Alpha out, Jason. Well, um, yes, I mean, we certainly would consider having uh, voice actors doing um, the Delgado and the Ainley Master. We haven't actually got that in place yet, but um, it's it's certainly not just something I'd say just imagine to, but something that we're actively thinking about. And um, yeah, I would love that, particularly the Delgado one, who is my favourite master. Pretty mm. obvious, but uh, he's sitting <laughs> down. He's just amazing. I could watch him forever. Well, finally, this lovely email from Seth Thomas. Hello all at Big Finish, and thanks you first of all uh, for your brilliant creative endeavours with Doctor Who and beyond. Your output is consistently fantastic, and I'll always enjoy settling down to relax with a thrilling audio story at the end of the day. For now, I have two points to bring up. First of all, I'm very, very intrigued as to the future of the main range. It's been one of my favourite ongoing ranges for ages now, and certain releases have, in my opinion, have been up there with the zenith of your output. 
but I do agree uh, that to newer listeners it might seem awfully confusing and I'm excited to see what happens next. I must agree with River's email though uh, in relating to the longer four-part two-hour format which would be one I would be very sad to lose. I think that the longer running time gives a story a much greater chance for scope to develop its ideas and characters and to truly make an impact. I'm very glad that this format is safe for the future. I also must agree that I would like to see some longer stories for the 8th Doctor, who just happens to be my favourite. I think his run of stories in the main range back in the earlier years of Big Finish were very underrated and I'd love to see my favourite Doctor in some longer but standalone stories, a middle ground between the EDAs and the box sets. But it slightly confuses me because of course the box sets are very long stories aren't they? They're, mm, they're yes, like 16 uh, hours long. <laughs> so you want one longer than that? Uh, or you want a four part story, a four times 25 minute episode story with him. Right? But I mean putting the Eighth Doctor back into the main range is just confusing things even more isn't it? You know, the main range mm. I just, uh, it's. I mean what we're discovering here is that people just don't like change and i'm 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 a bit like that too but it's when it just it's just doesn't make sense to have a thing called the main range that features three random doctors and then all the other doctors have their own ranges all the doctors should have their own ranges I believe and then that's fairer and we can experiment with all sorts of story lengths definitely do four parters maybe do two parters maybe do maybe do an eight parter you know uh, I'm up for that uh, could be good yeah, yeah. old school old yeah. school old school yeah. a seven parter and a one parter <laughs> <laughs> half parter a five parter um, <laughs> um, secondly, I'm looking forward to the Human Frontier. Ooh, um, from what you. I've heard, it sounds like something that you, Nick, are quite passionate about. Just quite, yeah. <laughs> and so sounds just a bit, slightly yeah. like your early masterpiece and one of my favourite ever Doctor Who stories, Creatures of Beauty. Mm-hmm. A pre-order is confirmed, Thank you. and I am very excited for me. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Seth. That's all for now. As always, love your stuff. Thank you very much for your continuous dedication to the audio format with all its twists and turns. <laughs> Goodbye and much love, Seth. Much love. Uh, that's it for the listeners' emails this week. More next time and don't forget to send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. And yes, we still haven't forgotten about our Ask Jason feature. I saw him last week, but we only had time to have a very long and detailed meeting about planning forward for Big Finish. And boy, have we got some great plans for you all coming up. But as for Ask Jason, it will arrive one day. Seriously, he's gone to LA now for Gallifrey. So Gallifrey, isn't it? He's yeah. on the planet in Gallifrey. <clears throat> busy man, busy man. Uh, so, Nick, anyway, back to the studio oh. for more about Adam Adam and Liz. Okay. And you were talking to actor and writer Guy Adams, weren't you? I'm pretty oh, sure you were. Yeah, well, I was and will be now. It's oh, the tenses are so confusing. Here I am, back in the studio on the final day of recording of Adam Adamant Lives. And as Benji has just said, or will say, I'm with none other than the writer, the Imagineer of the series, (laughs) and also Sims, the plucky sidekick butler and all-action man, Guy Adams. Hello. 
All action man. (laughs) At no point in my life have I ever been described as all action man. And and I'm pleased to say I still haven't been seriously, really, have I? You've Uh, done a lot of punching. I've got I've got one whole scene of this is what happens when you write it yourself. So, you you know, you think, well, you know, I I may as well be (laughs) absolutely amazing, hadn't I? You know, if only I had one really brilliant fight scene where I could just be uh, absolutely stunning. You think, oh, hang on a minute. Better I'm just write one then. <laughs> um, how did the whole Adam Adamant thing come about for you? I'm interested to hear because I've told the story a lot and I've probably distorted it. And what I is it from your point I of view? I don't think you. I don't think you have. We were having uh, dinner. Uh, and, and let's be honest, any anecdote that can start, we were having dinner. It just <laughs> immediately makes an anecdote better. It makes everyone listening jealous. Uh, we're having dinner, and, and yeah, you, you brought it up. And, and my immediate response was absolutely amazing. Yes, wonderful. This is, you know, I assumed you were going to ask if I wanted to write one, you know. Uh, but, you know, I was just I was thrilled by the idea. I love the gentleman adventure trope. It's It's, you know... Uh, it's it's just some of my uh, some of my favourite television involves posh folk um, uh, bopping guest star of the week. Uh, <laughs> I just I just love it, and if if it could be done in front of a backdrop that pretends it's in the Caribbean, I'm even happier. Um, I don't think Adam Adwin ever got quite so flash, no. but but still the the, the uh, you know the the amateur the amateur. Um, Hero is it's it's a lovely lovely thing. It's it's a peculiarly British thing as well, um, and it's it's something I've I've always fancied playing with. There's there's, uh, there's an idea of mine that's been brewing for probably about ten years now that one day I'll get round to. So it's, it's something I love. What what would you say your take on Adam Adamant lives is because you have reimagined it a little. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, again, this is something I, I've commented on in a, in a couple of the interviews. I, Big Finish is really good at doing amazing cover versions that you can't tell apart from the originals, or, or you know that that's 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 part of the, the game of it, if you like. That's part of the design of it. Every now and then, it's it's as you wonderfully did with the Prisoner. The point of for want of constantly stretching the the, the 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 analogy, the cover version should be let's have a slightly different take on it. You know, I mean, if you were going musically when you do a cover version. It, it, what's the point in sounding like the original? It's just that there's there's no point. So, uh, and it was interesting to me to take another little slant at it. And the, and the main oh. change that I've done really is just, it, it occurred to me that it's much more interesting to me anyway to never actually know if Adam Adamant is uh, an Edwardian adventurer that uh, somehow was, was frozen or, or whatever uh, and... Uh, um, wakes up in in the 1960s, or if he's just a person who thinks he is. Uh, and the, the question should always be, and that, that's certainly very much part of the, the second series, but the question should be, does it matter? Mm. You know, mm. it, it, is he really Adam Adamant? And if not, who cares? You know, is, is it about who we are or the... Is it about... You know our history, or is it about the type of person we are? And it's 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 that's, that's the sort of question that the series you know, sort of keeps asking. And it doesn't matter. And no. for for audiences who prefer one thing or the other, it can be either hmm. or both. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's and you know it just that in itself then starts opening up other sort of thematic routes. So you know we have three heroes, all of whom are in one way or another slightly uncomfortable in their own skin. They 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 put on masks or trying to find ways to live their lives 
um, in a way that that, that that is comfortable for them or, or to be the best them that they want to be. Um, because once you've got it for Adam, then, you know, it's it's interesting to, to extend that through to Georgina and, and to Sims. Mm-hmm. So, you know, three slightly dysfunctional... Ooh. That was you just headbutting. You're having another punch That's how up. dysfunctional I am. I can't. I can't even stand still. Uh, but yeah, three slightly dysfunctional people uh, saving the world. You know, and I think that's fun. How would you tease and entice listeners about it? You know, someone who hasn't yet got the first box set. You know, to inspire them to uh, press the buy now button. Well, you know, I mean, the, uh, writers are notoriously awful at selling themselves, uh, but I can I can manage with this because I'm so proud of what we've done with this. Yeah. I think it is, I think it's beautifully cast. I, 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 I'm going to immediately obviously have to say, except for me, but I, actually, <laughs> I think I do okay. I think, I I do think okay. you do really blooming well. I but, think you've it, made uh, the part amazing. Oh, yeah. Darling, I love you. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Plague and Millie are just amazing. Uh, it's It's a, it's, We've had some amazing guest cast. It's it's a uh, scripts and stories that are hopefully witty. There is certainly uh, quite a rich quality of language to them. I've kind of let myself go a bit with that, um, but they're fun. But there's also hopefully an area of depth. Um, I, I think there's I think there's a I think there's a real place at the moment for uh, brilliant adventures that look at the inside of us a little bit as well. We're, yeah. You know, we're, we're living in a world at the moment that, that that tends to make us feel a little bit disenfranchised, a little bit uh, excluded and miserable. And this is about people sort of rising up and 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 pushing back against that as well. There's 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 a there's a pleasure to that. There's mm. a kind of, you know, uh there's layers to this hopefully. Yeah, I would say it was fizzy fun with dark undertones. Yeah, I love a dark undertone. God. But uh, uh, but equally, as every script editor that's ever worked for Big Finish knows, I am a man who gets the sort of note of, oh, were we enjoying them ourselves today? <laughs> yes. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, enjoying yourself in this context as a writer is just what it needed, actually. It's beautifully done, I think. But um, well, as it, the script editor, I can you, say you, that. You agree. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the, the part of that sort of tone of the day, isn't it? I mean, yes. it, the, the yeah. Avengers, you should feel slightly drunk by the time you get to, I mean, I do. When I spent 52 minutes with McNee and Rig, yeah. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling giddy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when Ronnie Barker turns up for a guest role, I'm passed out on the floor. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's effervescent stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this is very much yeah in that vein, isn't it? Tell us about William E. Sims, ex-Punch and Judy man. Living theatrical. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, so, yeah, um, he is a man. Uh, one of uh, uh, um, James Goss of this parish, um, uh, producer, script editor and writer for Big Finish, uh, as well as many other things, uh, has the habit occasionally of calling me Uncle Fruity um, (laughs) due to the slightly plummy quality my voice can take on. Uh, Mr Sims is me now actually uh, earning a living as Uncle Fruity in front of the microphone. (laughs) uh, Sims is uh, an ex-actor who once brought the house down accidentally using a box of matches and (laughs) ever since then has been on his uppers um, trying various trades and various guises and like many actors you're never quite sure where he's actually from uh, how much of what he ever tells you is true Um, and that's just the joy of him he's 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 
He is someone who speaks for the sake of pleasure. Everything he says is, is designed to be fun, but it's also obfuscating. Um, you don't really meet the real Sims often. I, I would say there's maybe three scenes across six episodes of Adam Adamant where there is a moment in there that's that's proper, pure Billy Boy, whoever the real William Sims is underneath yeah. the surface. But that's, you know, that's the fun of him. Brilliant. I, yeah, I adore the character. And um, thanks, Guy. I just need to say this. Don't forget, folks, the first series of Adam Adamant Lives is available now from bigfinish.com on digital download or CD. Just go to the site and type Adam Adamant into the uh, search pane at the top. You know, this little thing yep, right, with yep, the, yep. the magnifying glass. Have you ever noticed that? I have. I have. I frequently search for things on Big Finish. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, when I'm feeling particularly miserable, I search for my own name and I, I realise why I'm tired. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the quickest way of finding it, folks. Anyway, uh, coming up now, it's time for the Randomoid Selectatron. Right, what have we got? Okay, well, it's just popped up in the old Selectatron, and it is 3.3 Bernice Summerfield's Dance of the Dead. Dance of the Dead. Oh, mm. oh I've got to type it in. While I'm doing that, here's the trailer. It's a bit of old school. Professor Bernice Summerfield and the Dance of the Dead. Mayday. Mayday. From the Spaceliner Empress. This is General Asnesh Azar of the 1st Martian Infantry, New Mars Delegate to the Queen Bastrovan Conference. The next debarkation point is Roros Minor in time relative 2.2. You know, I've studied a good deal of your past, Grand Marshal. An archaeologist, of course. You helped excavate the tombs of my ancestors, perhaps? I spent a year on Mars and three more in debt as a result. We have fresh goals and glories on new Mars. Yes, I visited. Be meaning to go back for years, look up some old friends. <laughs> if I die here before I get the chance, I'll be very cheesed off. This is your steward speaking. I've been asked by the captain to advise you of a belt of severe turbulence approaching. Please activate your stasis harnesses while we ride out this storm. There is no cause. Professor. The rains. You left me at the height of the rains. Professor, you are unwell. The first months. Every night I dreamed you were there beside me. Then woken by the rains again to find you gone. Endless streams pounding against the light glass, pounding against my temples, tiny fists. Tiny fists like the poddling you. Professor! <gasps> Don't touch me! Illegally smuggled aboard a spaceship, hung over to the nth degree. Good lord. All Benny Summerfield wants is to curl up in a ball and die. And it looks like she's going to get her chance. Wow. Incredible. So there you go. Um, Benny, the first thing that Big Finish did. Uh, it's got um, Matthew Brenner as an ice warrior. Grand Marshal Stack. Uh, there. So Matthew did great work for us as ice warriors back in the day thoroughly recommended yeah cheers Ram for that one and uh, 
Shall I tell them how they can get their hands on that? Oh, how go they on. Do it? Yes, you should, really. Yeah, it's should probably, wise, yeah, otherwise, probably very wise. Otherwise, very wise. it's just sort of hanging there as a tease. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. Teas are for drinking, not for hanging. Hey. Uh, so if you go to bigfinish.com on the website, go to the podcast section up on the menu, you'll get to the main podcast thing. And it'll say the podcast of this week, latest podcast from Big Finish. You click read more. You go to the blurb, the little bit about what we're talking about. And it will tell you to click here and and to enter the special code back up oh. all capital letters uh all words <laughs> no spaces <laughs> no spaces no punctuation no complications and do that and you will get your discount it's a 25 percent off reduction nice. in the price so you'd be a fool to miss out anyway ran always a pleasure never a chore <laughs> now time for us to say goodbye in the style of Adam Adamant. <sighs> Goodbye. Goodbye. He doesn't he doesn't mince his words, does he? Doesn't, Bye. No. He's very direct. While we're away, why not entertain yourself with this rather lovely 15-minute drama tease of the Twelfth Doctor Chronicles and an adventure entitled War Wounds by Mark Wright and starring Jake Dudman as the Doctor and Samuel Anderson as Danny Pink for absolutely free. That's the answer you should all have. Danny Pink turned to look at the sea of teenage faces comprising Class 10M3 of Coal Hill Secondary School. The sea of teenage faces gazed back. Listen, guys, I know algebra isn't exactly a riveting subject for lasting on a Friday afternoon, but it's got to be done. Any questions? A hand shot up. Yes, Chloe. Sir, where's Miss Oswald? I meant about the lesson. But, sir, where is she? Aren't you missing her? Not that it's anybody's business, but Miss Oswald is away on residential with Year 9, okay? But, sir... And that's all any of you need to know, especially you, Chloe. Yes, All right, pack up your stuff, which you're already doing. Great, good initiative, guys. If anybody's actually listening, I want you to finish up to question 10 for Monday's lesson. Oi! And don't forget... Don't forget to have awesome weekends. <laughs> Danny slumped at his desk. The room seemed instantly cooler and a breeze wafted through the open window. He pulled a tower of exercise books across the desk, determined to get through some marking before heading home. Danny paused mid-tick and considered his own weekend. Whatever he did, it would be missing one vital component. Miss Clara Oswald. If he had to answer Chloe's question honestly, yes, he was missing her. A lot. Put yourself together, mate. Damn. Danny's pen ran out halfway through writing an encouraging comment, and a trip to the stationery cupboard was needed. See you, sir, said a straggling year eight. Slow! Down, the weekend isn't going anywhere. Jenkins had already vanished and was probably halfway to Totter's Lane. Danny reached the stationery room and touched his ID card against the lock sensor. He stopped dead in his tracks. No. No. You have got to be kidding me. Squeezed between racks of pens and photocopying paper was a blue box. A sign identifying it as Police Public Call Box ran along the top. 
it meant that the most dangerous, not to mention infuriating person Danny had ever met was at Coal Hill. Right, that's it. Doctor, you are toast. Danny shoved the open wooden door with a flat of his hand and strode into the TARDIS. Doctor, get down here, I want a word. She's not here, so you can shift this thing and go and do whatever it is you do when you're, um, not here. Doctor, where are you hiding? Danny took a tentative step towards the cluster of controls at the center of the room. The glass and steel column arrangement looked like it belonged in the Tate Modern and not the stationary cupboard of a secondary school. He reached out. Gah! Sorry, uh, as you were. He knew he should leave well alone, but if the doctor was around, nobody was safe. Danny climbed to the upper walkway, eyes running across a line of books. What kind of person puts on the origin of species next to the Bunty Annual? Further along sat a desk littered with scraps of paper. Next to it was an old-fashioned easel blackboard. Danny read the scrawled chalk writing. Hypotheses, I think. Conclusion, therefore I admit those winter nights must just fly. Danny's military training kicked in and he dove beneath the desk, pivoting in the cramped space to better see the newcomer, the doctor. In his blue crombie coat, the doctor must have thought he looked edgy. To Danny, he looked like he'd walked out of a breakfast cereal cafe in Hoxton. Oh, sorry, doctor. I can't play out today. I'm babysitting a bunch of teenagers in Kent. Oh, that's fine. I can show you baguettes the size of skyscrapers. Sky is the color of burning coal. An alien rabbit with two heads called Bob. Don't worry. I'll be fine. That's your loss, Miss Oswald. The doctor leant over the controls and smiled. Some people smiled and it was reassuring. The doctor looked like he wanted to eat you. It's just you and me, old girl. What'd you say? Podluck protocols? All right. Surprise me. Potluck protocols? What the hell are potluck? Whoa! Danny's world turned upside down. <coughs> then inside out. <coughs> Lights flashed on and off. Danny closed his eyes, but the lights were still there, so he opened them again. The room lurched. Danny saw the doctor gripping the console, eyes shining with excitement. That's it. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Every time the room settled, it moved in another direction. Up, down, sideways, all at once. Noise, light and movement coalesced into a single mass of sensory input. Nicely done. Well, it's not going to kill me out there. Yet. Let's see where we are. He's insane. 
utterly insane. This was life with that maniac? How could anybody be happy with that? Danny thought of Clara and felt a pang. This was what she wanted? Enough. Danny took his chance and ran for the doors. In a couple of days, Clara would be back. He'd hold her. Tell her how he felt. Give her a reason to turn her back on... on whatever this was. Never... again. The cold air of the TARDIS gave way to oppressive heat. Oh, my... Instead of Coal Hill's stationery cupboard, Danny stood high above what his brain was currently processing as enormous alien jungle. No, he didn't. He... he wouldn't. The TARDIS stood on an outcrop, above a dense canopy of trees stretching to the horizon in a wave of peaks and troughs. These were no ordinary trees. Leaves of vivid blue and red mixed with deep greens. Clouds of water vapour drifted lazily above the tropical jungle. Cautiously, Danny approached the edge of the outcrop, sloping down into the trees below. Wow. Good, isn't it? Oh, I go! Don't do that! Do what? Creep up on people! Oh, sorry, P.E. Was I not observing the social niceties? It's not like you were trespassing in my TARDIS or anything. You just carry on, don't mind me. You knew I was there? Well, of, of course I knew you were there. Think you could break into an advanced time and spacecraft, into my advanced time and spacecraft, and I wouldn't know? The door was open. Oh, that isn't the point. You landed in the middle of a school without permission. But are you going to play musical semantics all day, or look in awe and wander at your first alien planet? That alien traveller shtick might impress some people, Doctor, but not me. Well, your girlfriend finds it plenty impressive. Danny's fists balled in anger. That's the problem, isn't it? The doctor regarded Danny with an amused half-smile. He met the schoolteacher's gaze, then turned back to the view. Danny swallowed his anger and took a petulant step forward. Where... where are we, anyway? No idea. You're kidding. I never kid. Pot-lock protocols. That's what you and Clara do. Fl flick a switch and hope for the best. Well... Pull a leaf up again. Sometimes keeps it interesting. Unlike this conversation, you've had your fun, so chop chop. Enter the box and back to school for Mr. Pink. Listen to me, you arrogant, infuriating. God! Ah! Doctor! Danny scrabbled for purchase on the disintegrating outcrop. In a different situation, he might have laughed at the aghast look on the doctor's face as he leapt forward to grab at Danny. But it was too late. The doctor's face receded into the distance. Danny plunged, feet first, down the steep, muddy slope. Whoa! Whoa! Ah! Ah! Oh! Whoa! He grabbed at passing branches and vines, but his hands were slick with mud and water. Whoa! The jungle canopy rushed up in a blurry patchwork of blue, red and green. Trees rushed by, the air hot and fetid. Jagged rocks snagged at his clothes, shirt ripping. Just as it seemed his plunge into the alien jungle would never end, the gully abruptly opened out, sweeping up like a nightmarish water slide.
Doctor, have you got a rope in that box of yours? Trying not to think about what else might be in the dark pool of water that had broken his fall, Danny swam for shore. <sighs> Pinkish sunlight sliced in thin shafts through the jungle canopy. He hoped the doctor was up there somewhere, but he wouldn't put it past him to jump back in his box and vanish. This is not the weekend I had in mind. What are you doing in this sector? Danny was hauled to his feet and found himself looking down the barrel of a rifle. Whoa! Easy, 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 easy. See? I'm not armed, I'm not armed, look! That wasn't something he could say about the unit of soldiers. He counted seven, male and female, wearing ragged combat fatigues and carrying chunky rifles. Their sweat-slicked, grimy faces told him they were combat-weary, edgy and tired beyond endurance. What unit are you with? All Cathillian and human personnel were ordered to pull back from this sector stat. Danny turned to the newcomer. Uh, oh, I, um... He was staring straight at a talking dinosaur. A dinosaur wearing a uniform, carrying a rifle. Bright, intelligent eyes examined him from a wide face of copper scales that swept up to a double-crested forehead that twitched and moved. A snub nose sniffed the air, and Danny couldn't help but focus on the line of vicious-looking teeth that were revealed when the creature opened its mouth. I ask again, which unit are you with, soldier? Do I look like a soldier? Oh, nothing to see here. Stand down, at ease. Take the rest of the day off. Danny never thought he'd be so relieved to see the doctor. Oh, great, just what I need. More soldiers. Apologies for my pudding brain. He does have the habit of wandering off. I tried to return him, but I've lost the receipt. Thanks for nothing, doctor. Oh, don't mention it. The dinosaur's crest twitched in agitation. Are you from the same unit? It growled. The doctor looked affronted. I'm with nobody's unit. A human soldier stepped forward. Captain, we have to go. It's almost... I'm aware of that, Corporal, snapped the dinosaur. Prepare to move out. We'll sort this mess out later. Doctor, we better get out of here. I reckon we've stumbled into a combat zone. Oh, you think? And what's this we business? A radio clip to the lizard officer's uniform crackled into life. Take cover! Barked the captain. The soldiers jolted into action, hefting gear and moving at speed into the dense foliage. The doctor span on his heel, grabbing Danny. Don't stand on ceremony, P.E. Move yourself. D don't call me, P.E. Oh, too late! Yelled the doctor. Doctor, get down! Danny! Doctor, I'm here. I'm, I'm right here. Medic! We need a medic! No! Sergeant Pink, what is your status? I won't do this! I won't! Sergeant Pink, report! No! No! Breathe! I can't! Why can't you hear me? I will not let you down. Clara!
You've been listening to a Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and order The Human Frontier. I just thought I'd mention that out this May 2020 at bigfinish.com. Also order Adam Adamant, which Adam Adamant Lives, which is out now. And um, now. yeah, now.